Thank you for listening to the Competition Committee podcast, where we make sports more fun for the fans. Check out new podcasts every Thursday. Welcome back inside the Competition Committee podcast. I am your host, Parker. Joining me, as always, is JJ, and today we have our hands firmly grasping the wheel of today's show. We'll rattle off some interesting NFL and college football quick hitters, play a game of high-leveraged over-under, revisit an older rule change JJ proposed in the past, dig into our email bag, and of course, give out our bold predictions. Joining us today for our third committee chair is a crowd favorite, Johnny, and we're just going to roll into our first quick hitter because I feel like it applies to you. Sounds great. Who is staggering into the playoffs this year? And my opinion, no one is staggering more than the Philadelphia Eagles. And they are playing the Tampa Bay Buccaneers Monday night. And the Eagles, this is the first time since the New York Jets did it several, several, several years ago that a team that started 10-1 and did not end up winning their division. So how do you feel about the Eagles staggering into the playoffs this year? Not too good, to be honest with you. And it's almost something that's hard to, for me to wrap my mind around. If, if, if you look at where they were, they start off the season. At one point in time, they were 10-1. and one. There were a few doubters because some of the games were close this year, but nobody was expecting what happened the last six weeks, right? So in six weeks, they go 1-5. and five. I mean, I mean, who would have predicted that? And when you look at the games, it, it's almost hard to decipher exactly what went wrong. I mean, obviously the defense has been playing poorly, but they've made some changes, and I'm not sure those changes have accomplished much. You look at the offense, We until this last game, we still had most of our star players out on the field. Last night, I mean, I watched it last night, but, you know, yesterday's game, you know, can't expect much when the majority of your starters are injured and off the field. But still, to go that far down in the first two quarters to a team that most of us don't have a lot of respect for, the New York Giants, that's sad. I mean, to me, I don't know. Eagles are my team. I've cheered for them for 43 years. I don't think they deserve to be in the playoffs at this point in time. I'm glad they're there. It'll give me somebody to cheer for the first week, but I don't have high hopes that my team's going to be there in week number two. Well, it sure seems to me like they're going to beat the Bucks. I think the Eagles are a good team that's just playing poorly right now. That's what they've been saying every week. Yeah. Well, it matters now. When you're that far out in front, it doesn't matter quite as much. But you're right, going one in six or, or one out of – One in five. Close enough, yeah. That is that is not very good at the end of the year. But I'll tell you what, I don't think they're the team that – the team that's bet, that has a better record than they actually are are the Miami Dolphins. Miami Dolphins have lost three of their last five, and they are staggering into this playoff. Except for the Cowboys, they can't beat anybody that's any good. And they're going to get shown up. In, in Kansas City, they're going to be shown what they are. The Dolphins will not win that game. 
Yeah, I like the Dolphins. I like a lot of the players on the team, but they really didn't look good yesterday against Buffalo. I mean, it was just – I mean, obviously, Tariq Hill looked like he probably was injured. And I'll give them that. But still, they have other weapons on that team. It just didn't seem like they could get anything downfield. I just – I was disappointed, and I do like the Dolphins. Is there anybody else that you feel is staggering into the playoffs? I mean, I feel like the Steelers, they're not staggering. I feel like they fell into the playoffs. Is there any other teams that we feel are kind of struggling as they enter the postseason? I went back and looked at the at the records at the end of the season. The other two teams that are questionable, the Lions have lost three of their last seven, and Kansas City has lost three of their last six. So those two teams are not coming in on a rocket ship. Well, I've got another team that I don't think really deserves to be in the playoffs, but they're just barely – Jacksonville. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Wait a minute. They lost to the Titans, didn't they? I'm sorry. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Very good. Well, let's jump on over and talk about the college football championship. And to do this, we have a surprise second third committee chair, David. He's going to join us for this segment. So Washington versus Michigan. Michigan pulled out the victory was sort of a wire-to-wire victory for Michigan. They kind of had control of most of the game. But how do we feel about the game? Was it a good matchup? Were these the two most deserving teams? How do we feel about it? Well, I was excited about the matchup. I kind of wanted Washington to win, not for any other reason other than they're never there. I know Michigan you know, has been there in the past. It's been 20-something years. It was kind of exciting until it wasn't. You know, they Washington didn't really do much with it. But I did see that the Alabama-Michigan game pretty much destroyed the national championship game in, in terms of ratings from a TV standpoint. So that was kind of surprising if you look at it from that aspect. Well, maybe it was in a better time slot. It was earlier on New Year's Day. And it had Alabama in it. You put a big SEC team in it. Right. You're just going to get you're going to get a lot of people following it. I really had a lot of anticipation for this game because I'd seen I'd seen Washington play a few times and seen Michigan play a few times and was interested in seeing something that didn't involve the SEC. The thing you don't see this very often in highest level football. Michigan won because they could run the football, and I have not seen anybody run the football like that. There, there was one point in the first quarter where they were averaging almost 10 yards a run. It was astounding. And, and deep into the game, I get deep into the third quarter, one of the, one of the announcers at the Herb Street said that, that the Michigan quarterback had only completed six passes, some extremely low. It's, it's not very often you see a dominant running performance the way we saw. We saw, and I, I thought the game was good until the very, very end. I gave up when Penix threw that last interception with about five minutes to go. They were driving down. If they had scored then, you know, I don't think they would have had to have an onside kick. It, it could have really been interesting. Yeah, that, you know, that fourth down play where he, he ended up throwing the interception on the redo, but that the the two offsetting penalties there, I mean, you that killed him. Obviously, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't see the offensive holding. It was obvious whenever you they showed the replay and they were pointing it out, but you saw the defensive pass interference and like, oh well, that gives him a first down. This is going to get interesting, and then it 
that almost pick six was devastating for Washington, for sure. Were they the best two teams? No, they weren't. The best two teams probably played in the SEC championship when Alabama played Georgia. Those were probably the two best teams. But this was this made for interesting television, I thought. Yeah, for Michael Penix, he was probably the better of the two quarterbacks in the national championship. And it's kind of rare for the better quarterback to lose lose the game. You know, he's going to declare for the draft. I don't think this hurt his stock, but it definitely didn't help him. I think he's one of those quarterbacks that he needs to be drafted to a team that has a good offensive line because, you know, he looked very human. If Michigan got any sort of pressure on him, he just wasn't able to throw and to be as good as a quarterback as he was earlier in the season. So to transition to the NFL, we wanted to go over our NFL preseason predictions. We wanted to give out a team that we thought was going to decline from the previous year. We wanted to give out a team that we thought was going to improve from the previous year. JJ, let's start with you. What was your decline team and what was your improvement team? Well, let me start by saying I didn't do anything heroic because I picked a team that had a really good record and said they were going to get worse and a team that had a really bad record and said they were going to get better. Turns out I was right, though. I said the Rams were going to improve. The Rams ended up 10-7. and They actually won seven of their last games. They are entering the playoffs a pretty hot team. So I feel real good about predicting that the Rams were going to get better. The Vikings said they were going to get worse. They came pretty close to making the playoffs, but they lost six of their last seven games. So at the end of the season, they really fell apart. So I was right in both cases. The Rams got a lot better and the Vikings got a lot worse. All right. David? The team that I picked to not do as well as they did the previous year was the Eagles. Last year, they were 14-3 and and lost in the Super Bowl. I said that they were not going to achieve that again. I got really close. I said 10-6, and and they make the playoffs. Obviously, they're 17 games. I would give myself the benefit of the doubt. But they went 11-6, and so you can give me whatever one you want. That's pretty close. I also picked the Bears, who were 3-14 and last year. I said they would be 8-9. and They would miss the playoffs and not be last in the NFC North. They went 7-10, and tied with the Vikings for last, so give me that too, maybe. But the upside is the Bears, they, they look like more of a football team than they did at the beginning of the year. So as a Bears fan, that's always exciting. But it's always exciting for the next year as a Bears fan, so you can take that for what it's worth. There were t- there were times the Bears looked pretty good this year, and of course, times they did. Right. That's kind of a rinse and repeat for the Bears fans. High expectations of the preseason don't match up to it. At the end of the season, they play well, get a high draft pick, rinse and repeat. That's is that about right? That's exactly right. All right. We're not getting a new coach this time, this year, though, so or next year, I should say. At least not yet, anyway. Yeah. All righty, for my teams, I had the Pittsburgh Steelers to take a step back this year, and they had every single opportunity to take a step back from their 9-8 and eight 
record last year. Everything went poorly for them. They were third in their division, and they still made the playoffs with a record of 10-7. and seven. I don't know how that happened. The Joe Burrow injury definitely made it happen a little bit better for them. They were third in their division at 10-7, and seven, below the Browns and the Ravens. They still made the playoffs. Mike Tomlin is one of the all-time great coaches. Somehow he willed his team, along with Mason Rudolph, into the playoffs. So I still feel like they're a worse team than last year, but record-wise and postseason-wise, I guess they're a little bit better. Yeah, I don't, a team that improved. I, I don't uh, think you get to take credit for that. However, I think they're the worst 10-7 and seven team I've ever seen. For a team that has a record yeah. that good, they are not any good. They're going to get whipped in the playoffs. Yes, they are. My team to improve was the Detroit Lions. They had a record of 9-8 and eight as well. They kicked butt all season long. They had an opportunity to have the number one seed in the NFC. We already discussed that terrible missed call for their two-point conversion that should have made them have potentially the number one seed. But, you know, to go from 9-8, and eight, they had a, a super prolific offense last year, but a terrible defense, statistically the worst defense in the NFL last year. And I said that if they just had an average defense with that same offense, they're going to be a juggernaut. And that's exactly what happened this year. Their defense got a whole lot better. It's not the best. It's not great, but it's decent. It's decent enough to hold them so their offense can keep scoring 35 points and they can just hold them to 28 points and they'll still win. So they went from 9-8 and eight to 12-5, and five, and that is definitely a team that improved. So, do you, think, do you think they're better because they have a crazy coach or they're worse because they have a crazy coach? I don't think he's crazy. He sure made a – he went in that Cowboys game – he went for two fourth downs where he should have kicked field goals and then I think made one bad call at the end of the game to go for two once they'd already gotten that penalty. So I think he's crazy. I mean, that was just that was, that was his philosophy before the season started. He's going to be aggressive. He's going to go for it on fourth down. He's going to go for two, not every time, but – I mean, even before that drive started, he told Jared Goff, no matter what happens, we're going for two. And, I mean, maybe, yeah, a 99 out of 100 people would kick the extra point from the seven, but, you know, that was just his mentality. And I think that favors well for the players that he has that much belief that no matter where they are, they're going to go for two, even if from the seven-yard line. So, you know, I think the players respect that. He grew up playing Madden. <laughs> yeah. Well, since we're talking about the Lions, let's this kind of leads us nicely into our next topic. And you had mentioned this to me a couple days ago, and it was pretty interesting. It made me think a little bit. Who is better as an overall quarterback, Matt Stafford or Jared Goff? Well, I guess, obviously, the reason we're asking this question is those teams traded for the other quarterback. One of them... You know, Matt used to be on the Lions, and Jared Goff used to be on the Rams, and they got traded. And at the time, everyone thought Matt Stafford was a much better quarterback. I went back and I actually looked at the statistics for this year, and I'll give them to you. 
So Matt Stafford played 15 games. Jared Goff played 17 games. Matthew Stafford threw 24 touchdowns. Jared Goff threw 30 touchdowns. Stafford threw 11 interceptions. Goff threw 12 interceptions. They they both averaged almost the same yards per game. Stafford averaged 264. Goff averaged 269. Matthew Stafford's quarterback rating is 92.5. Jared Goss is 93.5. These guys are right on top of each other statistically. Yeah. I think I would choose Matthew Stafford. I think he's a better quarterback with the better intangibles. Matthew Stafford has the better arm, in my opinion. And I feel like he's a lot more tough. There was a, a video he had when he was with the Lions where he had this spectacular game-winning drive in the fourth quarter, and he did it all with a dislocated shoulder, dislocated throwing shoulder. And I think with the arm talent and the toughness, I feel like as Matthew Stafford would be an overall better quarterback. On Jared Goff, I think he thrives under a certain system, under certain circumstances that makes him thrive. I think that offensive coordinator for the Lions, Ben Johnson, has done him wonders obviously working for McVay and the offensive genius he is. I feel like if you threw Jared Goff in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers system, I don't think he would thrive. But if you threw Matt Stafford, I think he would. And I think something that's truly important here, stats aside, I think Jared Goff looks a little goofy. Let's just admit it. I mean, he looks <laughs> like he could be like one of the B um be actors in Fast Times from Ridgemont High or something like that. It's a little hard to take him seriously. As old as he is, he shouldn't look so goofy. I, I just I would rather look at Stafford than I would at Goff. I'm, I'm sorry. It's just it's a thing. Sorry, but um, yeah, Stafford gets my vote. Are we going to find out who's better this weekend because they play each other? The current spread is three and a half in favor of the Lions. Obviously, the Lions will be at home. Statistically. Jared Goff at home under a roof is very profitable. So I'm sure the Lions will win. But as far as quarterback play, who knows? Alrighty. Let's go into our next quick hitter here. Saturday night playoff game between the Miami Dolphins and the Kansas City Chiefs. It's going to be a very popular game, except if you don't have Peacock, you're not going to be able to watch it. How do y'all feel about this very important game. It's going to be a ratings monster, but if it's on Peacock, how do we feel about it? Well, I don't think it's going to be a ratings monster. It'll clearly be the lowest rated game of the week, and it's going to be because of people's access to it. Now, it's pretty smart for Peacock to do this, but I don't think it's real smart for the NFL. This is different than the NFL putting a game on ESPN, which is also pay-per-view. Well, I shouldn't say pay-per-view, but it's a pay channel. But most people who are sports fans have ESPN. There's a lot of sports fans out there who do not have Peacock. Peacock is just NBC's streaming service. But but seriously, anybody can get a seven-day free trial. I mean, it's not that <laughs> restrictive. I mean, you know what I mean? I mean, if you can't figure out how to get a seven-day trial and cancel it in seven days, well, you deserve to be paying for Peacock. and. Quite frankly, I pay for Peacock, so I can't say too much about it. But I think people are resourceful. People are going to watch the game who want to watch the game. 
I don't think it's going to stop that many people. If they really want to watch the game, they'll figure it out a way. This is a young person's nightmare because every 20-year-old kid is going to get a call from their parents at about 7.30. (laughs) Like, what is Peacock? Do I have to pay for this? Is this an app? Why why is there an animal that I need to pay for? This is going to happen. Every kid's nightmare, but we're just going to have to suck it up. Maybe be proactive there, you listeners. Maybe give them a call a day in advance. Maybe even pay for their prescription for a month. Just do something nice for them, but just go ahead and just book it that you're going to get a call about it. But, Dad, at least I didn't sign you up for the Pornhub again. <laughs> there's there's going to be a bunch of 55-year-old men watching it on their phone because they don't know how to watch it on their television. <laughs> Alrighty. Today, as we're filming this, is Black Monday. If you don't know Black Monday, it is the day after the final game of the NFL season in which many NFL owners and GMs decide to cut ties with their current head coach. And today, I want to get y'all's reaction to this. Today, we had the head coach firings of Ron Rivera of the Washington Commanders. We had the firing of... Arthur Smith of the Atlanta Falcons. And of course, this goes along with the three in-season firings of Frank Reich of the Carolina Panthers, Josh McDaniels of the Las Vegas Raiders, and Brandon Staley of the Los Angeles Chargers. I guess my first thought is what you said, Parker, is that the owners decided to fire them today. I don't think the owners decided to fire them today. The owners decided a long time ago to fire them. But today was the appropriate day to fire them so that you can get somebody started. You can get a search for your next head coach and get it started. And about Ron Rivera, you know, the the, uh, Washington football team just got purchased last year. And I was surprised that the new owners kept Ron Rivera for this season. But I think they bought the team so late in the year that it didn't make sense to get rid of him. I kind of think Ron Rivera has been there a long time. And he's suffered a lot. I don't think we should think of this as a firing. We should think of this as a relieving him of his position so he no longer has to be the coach at the uh, Washington football team. I don't know. He's one of those last remaining Jurassic coaches that just – his nickname used to be Riverboat Ron. When the original go for it on fourth down, go for it on the two-point conversion, he was kind of the pioneer of that. Where is that gone? He hasn't done that at all, even when he's statistically supposed to do it. He didn't do it all year. So I think he's just an old coach, throw him in the likes of Bill Belichick as far as being too stuck in his ways. But I think it was an appropriate firing. One thing that's interesting about him, and I remember this from a long time ago. Of course, he was a Carolina Panthers head coach. And there was once a time when he was the lowest paid NFL head coach, and I think his his salary was about half the second lowest. So there was a time when he was getting he was a head coach on the cheap. Obviously that wasn't true in Washington, but it was in in uh, when he played in Charlotte or coached in Charlotte. Alrighty, and lastly we have Derek Henry. He had a sort of pseudo goodbye speech to the crowd after his game presumably telling the folks that he will not be back next year. So an aging running back 
going to a new team. How do y'all feel about this? Do you think he is going to be successful? So a couple of things that I I would say about that. Number one, if you watched the game yesterday, Derrick Henry still got some moves. He's still a big guy. He still moves fast. To say that he's, um, you know, finished in the league or washed up, I think that would be very unrealistic. With that said, you know, I'll just, I've said this before some on the, on the show, but I'll repeat it just in case people forget my stance on this. But the key to a good running game is not having a good running back. The key to a good running game is having a great offensive line. And it doesn't matter if you have the best running back. If you've got the best offensive line, you are capable of having a great running game. If you have a poor offensive line, it doesn't matter who you go and pay for. You are not going to have the best running game. So the, the, the problem, as I see it, is if the Titans are stupid enough to let him go, which I think it would be stupid to do, they need him at least another year. And I think he's got another year in his contract, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe I'm wrong but I think they have a contract in 24. But here's the thing. The team that's going to get him is going to be a team that has a poor running game. And they think unwisely, perhaps the owners are foolish. I don't know. But they think that they're going to fix their running game by buying a high-dollar running back. And the truth is they're wasting their money. They need to build an offensive line. And then they'll have their running game. Just a side note, his contract ended after this season. Oh, it did. Okay. So he is a free agent. Mm-hmm. Well, we have not seen – there's not been a good history of running backs going to other teams and performing as well as they did at the first team. Now, we are in an interesting environment where running backs are not getting the big contracts they used to get. So I'm sure Derrick Henry is going to expect more money than he will get. Someone will probably overpay to get him, and he will probably underperform for exactly the reasons that Johnny said. Running backs are very dependent on the scheme and the offensive line. If you look at yesterday, just to throw this in as a side note, I mean, Henry, last game was a Titan, perhaps, but he had 153 rushing yards, 8.1 rushing yards per attempt, one touchdown, this is a guy who I believe once again got over 1,000 yards for the season. I don't know exactly where he finished, 1,167, I guess. So this is not a guy who's um, washed up by any means. I think he's still got some years left. So I just hope that he either sticks with the Titans or lands with a good team. Maybe the Eagles. Let's talk about someone else who might be changing teams. That would be Justin Fields. Well, we have David. Let's ask him the number one Bears question this offseason, which is going to be kind of a crazy offseason for Bears fans. Should the Bears stick with Justin Fields, or should the first pick in the draft go to another quarterback, seemingly Caleb Williams? I mean, the Bears have had 53 starting quarterbacks since they last won the Super Bowl. (laughs) 53. Okay. I mean, my gut feeling is he's at, what is he at? Three years, I guess. It's probably coaching. It's probably not the right system. Maybe coaching's not necessarily the right word, but the system is probably not the best for him. 
he's 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 somewhat left a bad taste in the Bears' mouth, Bears fans' mouth. I mean, you it, you know, the grass is always greener on the other side. I would say you you use that first pick or trade it away again, like they did this year. Maybe trade down a little bit and get the second best quarterback. We've seen how that worked out. I guess with Trubisky and Mahomes, I personally I would say you just you do it and see what you got because you've kind of seen what you what you already have. There's flashes of brilliance, but mostly you 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 don't really know what you're going to get day to day, week to week. Be be bold. What do you want? Oh, you don't like my riding the fence there. You um, riding the fence here. <laughs> I was just kind of laying out the options, working through it. I would say you you get what you can for Fields, and you you take the next big thing and best thing, and go from there. Yeah, I think there's no shot you don't take Caleb Williams here. I mean, you know, if you're having to decide if you want to keep a quarterback, he's probably not your guy. I mean, you know, if you're not totally in love with a guy, you probably should move off him. If there's Caleb Williams waiting in the in the queue. I still think Justin Fields is a good quarterback. I think he needs a team and he needs a offensive head coach. I mean, the bears bless their hearts. They just love the past. They just love their defense, their defensive mindset for the, you know, Dick Butkus, Brian Urlacher days. They just cannot forget about those days. They need to hire an offensive coach. And I feel like if Justin Fields can go to, you know, the Atlanta Falcons, if they do hire an offensive coach where they have, you know, some star receivers, B. John Robinson, Kyle Pitts, you know, a team that has a lot of options for him. I th- I feel like he can succeed, but with the Bears, I just don't think it's the right fit for him. So you boys both think he's going to be a starter somewhere. He won't be a backup? Yeah, I mean, you, you can get a second-round pick for the guy. I, feel, I still think he has value. Yeah, yeah I do. I, I feel the same way. What do you think, JJ? I don't know. That's the ultimate riding the fence. Okay. <laughs> You're not even going to give a, any opinion one way or the other? Seems like you got an awful lot invested in him, so <laughs> try to keep him. But There's that. Yeah, but his, you know, his body language – I don't know if he's ever been truly happy there. I, and I have no idea what the, the team room's like. You know, maybe it's a mutual split and everyone's happy. No. Well, David, thanks for joining us this segment. Since you're not going to be with us the entire way, do you have a bold prediction for us? I do have a bold prediction. And thank heaven that we're going to have PGA Tour golf for the next nine months. This week, they are playing once again in Hawaii, in Honolulu, at the Sony Open. I am going to go with Lord Terrell Hatton Mm. at top five at plus 400. I like that. I think he's... He might throw a club and flip off a hole while doing it, but it's least entertaining to watch. I agree. I think he's going to have a good year this year. He had one last year, too. Oh, yeah. All righty, David. Thank you, sir. And hold on a second. I think I'm getting a a voice 
a voicemail from Campbell Whirl. I, I believe he might have a bull prediction for us. Well, 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 JJ, I bet you thought I wouldn't find out about your little scheme to keep me off the show with my red-hot bull predictions. Well, tell David and Johnny to move over, because here comes my bull prediction. The Toronto Raptors are facing the LA Clippers tomorrow night at 1045 Pacific Standard Time. The Toronto Raptors are plus 340, and they are going to beat the crap out of the Clippers tomorrow. Book it now. Thank me later. Parker, you want to play some video games this evening? Sure, let's pull out the Sega Genesis and let's play some Mortal Kombat 2. Sega Genesis. The more you play with it, the harder it gets. And we're back for a game of high leverage, true or false. Parker's given me the microphone. You boys know the rules and our listeners are real smart. Johnny, pick a number. One to eight. Let's go with number seven, JJ. Number seven. The longest home run in NLB history was hit by Barry Bonds with an estimated distance of 715 feet. True or false? And I got to pick a leverage number. How many have I got, JJ? One, two, three, or four. I'm going to go with a two. I'm going to say, even though I'm a big fan of the steroids, and I was also a big fan of Bonds, and I'm also a big fan of legalizing steroids, I love the big, <laughs> I love the big home runs. I like seeing big dudes hit big balls a long ways. I'm saying that's a bit much, though. I don't, I don't think you hit it that far. That'd be like the steroid Olympics, you know. <laughs> so I'm going to say Mr. Steroid didn't quite make it 700, even though he did hit it a long ways. You are correct. He. The actual longest home run, and this surprised me a lot, was hit by Babe Ruth and was estimated to be 575 feet. So it wasn't that quite that far, and it was a long time ago. Parker, don't pick seven. I'll pick three. Three. The highest scoring NBA game was played between the Detroit Pistons and the Denver Nuggets, on December 13 of 1983, the final score was 186 to 184. True or false, Parker? Going to say false and leverage it at two. You, unfortunately, are incorrect. That is true. <laughs> That's ridiculous. <laughs> I don't even know how you score that many points. I mean, that's just that's crazy. That's crazy. Johnny, don't pick three or seven. Okay. How about number five, JJ? Number five. The fastest recorded serve in tennis in a tennis competition was hit by Pete Sampras and was 154 miles an hour. True or false? Not being a a tennis aficionado, I I think that sounds reasonable, so I'm going to say true. What would you like to leverage it? What's my lowest one? (laughs) One. Okay. One, you are incorrect. So you were wise to leverage it low. The the fastest recorded was by someone that I've never heard of before named Sam Groth. Parker, you want to guess how fast he hit it? Was it like 182? 164. 
164 is the record. Okay, Parker, don't pick three, five, or seven. I'll pick one. One. The first modern Olympic Games were held in London in 1924. True or false? I'm going to leverage this a four and say false. It was in Athens, Greece. Well, you are correct. So the score is four to two. Johnny picked two, three. I'm sorry, pick two, four, six, or eight. I could have said pick an even number. <laughs> Let's go with two, JJ. <laughs> California has hosted the most Super Bowls. True or false? Seems like with the number of stadiums they have, if that could be a true, truthfully, I don't know it. So I'm going to leverage it one of my lower numbers. What, what have I got left, JJ? Three or four. Let's go with a three and true. Three and true, and that is incorrect. California has hosted 13 Super Bowls, but Florida has hosted 17. Mm. I was going to say Florida. Yeah. Parker, pick four, six, or eight. Give me Ocho. Eight. Thank you. (laughs) I was trying to figure out which one Ocho was. We don't speak on that talk over here. We live in the South. We're American. <laughs> Everyone knows the fastest 100-meter dash time ever recorded was 9.58 seconds, set by Hussein Bolt in 2009. What many people don't know is the fastest women's world record is 11.49 seconds, by Florence Griffin Joyner. So a little less a little less than two seconds slower. True or false? Do I have a one or a two leverage left? You have a one left. I'll leverage this a one and say that is true. That is incorrect. She does hold the record, but it's ten point four nine seconds. So actually a little bit less than a second slower, not two seconds slower. Johnny, pick four or six. Let's go with number four, JJ. Number four. The fastest goal ever scored in a Premier League was scored by Shane Long in less than eight seconds after the game started. Not being much of a soccer fan, admittedly. I mean, it seems very reasonable that a guy could score that fast but it could be faster. So Mm. it's a tough one. It's a tough one. (laughs) I'm going to go with a true, and I only have a four left, so let's just roll the dice here. True four, you are correct. I knew it. And I I wouldn't do anything like someone named (laughs) Shane Short did it in less than eight seconds. So this eight seconds was the key to that thing. Parker, you are number six. In an attempt to increase attendance, Rom Ford Greyhound Track in England tried racing cheetahs instead of dogs. True or false? And I have a four left, or no, a three. No. You have a three left. A three, yeah. This is something. What was his name? Wait, this is a track, not a person. <laughs> the Rom Ford Greyhound Track in England. Yeah, I'm very familiar with that track, and they would do something like this for sure. I'm going to say true. 
<laughs> and true is correct. I can't yes. imagine how that would work. How how could they keep the cheetahs just from running wherever they wanted to run? They let the dogs go first, and then they had the cheetahs chase the dogs. That's right. <laughs> they lost a few dogs in that one. <laughs> okay, so our final score is Parker seven and Johnny. Six. Oh, man, I thought Johnny was going to win this one. <laughs> okay, thanks, boys. Parker, what kind of camera is this we're using for these podcast pictures? Oh, it's a Polaroid instant camera. Polaroid. The fun develops instantly. Welcome back, everybody. We are going to revisit a proposed rule change we had back in season one because it is relevant to the end of the NFL regular season, which we have just concluded. JJ, do you want to remind us what this proposed rule change was? Yeah, before I do, let's just talk about the problem. Of course, the the last game of the season is the game where lots of teams don't try. And this this week... It looked like the Chiefs, the Browns, the Ravens, the 49ers, really some of the best teams in the NFL didn't play their starters. Of course, they didn't play them because they didn't have any reason to play them. The other thing that happens, you've got these games that don't mean anything at all. Two teams that are out of the playoffs, they play each other for pride, but that's all it means. It doesn't mean anything. What we proposed back in season one and what would solve this problem is if the last game of the season had some value the following year. And what we proposed, or what I proposed, was that whoever wins the last game of the season starts the following season with a record of one-half and zero, and whoever loses starts the season with a record of zero and one-half. So essentially, you've established the tiebreakers for the following year. That way, no one can think that that game is not important. What do you guys think of that idea? I think you're on to something there, JJ. What about um, draft picks? What about giving all winning teams of the last game an extra first round draft pick? Well, that may be a hell of a good idea, but I didn't think of it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just just saying that would be pretty cool, wouldn't it? (laughs) So, Let's talk about your idea, Johnny. What would that you want to do? <laughs> so if, if you win last game, you get an extra first round draft pick. So the first round now, instead of being 32, is 32 plus 16. <laughs> I think I think just an extra draft pick. I don't think first round. It doesn't have to be first round, but but, yeah. but that would be the most motivating, obviously. That's a heck of an idea. I mean, the NFL, of course, is always trying to be the – the worst to first and first to worst league. And you get it at the same time as your other first round draft pick, potentially. So if you get two number ones or two number twos or two number threes, it could be really motivating. The MLB has different types of drafts as well. They have, they're obviously the MLB draft, but they also have a rule five draft where they, there's a bunch of different things that are involved with who gets to choose and and what time you choose in the rule five baseball draft. But that can be something similar that this, this can just be completely separate 
from the NFL draft and you get to draft based on, you know, did you win the biggest gap? Did you did you beat your team by the most points? That that means you get to draft first. This can be a whole separate thing from the NFL draft. But the problem with your having it being separate, Parker, is they're all it's the same pool of players they're trying to get. I mean, to have a draft that happens at the end of the regular draft, you're drafting players that aren't important anymore. So Johnny's idea, Johnny's idea is a very disruptive idea. Normally, I really like disruptive ideas, it, but it would upset everything. You'd have teams matter than the hell if their if their second if their second pick in the draft suddenly became a third pick in the draft because the team with the first pick of the draft won won their final game. I like your ideas, Johnny. I think it's very disruptive. Let's let's do this. Let's vote. Let's vote on Johnny's idea or my idea. And then we'll discuss that idea to the it voted up or down. So I'm gonna vote my idea is better than Johnny's because it's less disruptive. <laughs> Less disruptive, Johnny. I presume you're going to vote your idea as better because you you yeah, like yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, Parker, it comes down to you. Which of these ideas do you like better? Oh boy. I mean, we would definitely see organizations and teams try for that last game of the season if we're doing Johnny's idea. I'll go with Johnny's is a little bit better. <laughs> okay. Let's discuss it now. And then we can vote on it because this is now an entirely new idea. So, Johnny, tell us exactly how your idea is going to work. Well, JJ, I've carefully thought this out for the last 25 seconds. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> but here's my initial thoughts. And this is what I would propose is that it's just a simple extra first round draft choice draft choice at the time of your normal draft pick for first round. So the worst team, worst record, if they happen to win their last game would get two first round draft picks that are two number one first round draft picks. So you're you're almost augmenting the system that the NFL already has in place. It would be an extra benefit to a bad team if they happen to win that last game of the season. But you have the very odd situation, like what's happened this year. So Chicago has the Carolina Panthers draft first-round draft pick. That's why they have the first-round draft pick. So what happens in this instance, if Carolina wins their game, does Chicago get two? two. Or does, does Chicago get two if they win their game? No, it's, it's whoever whoever – now has that draft pick would get it. So that means you wouldn't be trading around your first round draft picks so carelessly because you would be like, oh, this is valuable. I don't want to give up the first round because that could be two top players. <laughs> your, your idea makes me smile a lot, but it is so disruptive. <laughs> Parker, thoughts? I'm just trying to... So half half the league isn't going to get an extra draft pick. 
Yeah, it would make the last too. game of the season unbelievably important. It would be it would be almost be the most awesome. important game of the <laughs> season. Awesome. I mean, there's a conundrum here. I mean, teams tanking from the half of the season till the end of the season, they're tanking, they're tanking, they're tanking. And it's like, oh boy, all right, all hands on deck for this last game here, boys. We gotta win this. <laughs> I think it'd be awesome. <laughs> Well, I mean, did you see what the Titans did yesterday? I mean, it was fun because first part of the game, they were pulling out some of the craziest trick plays, and a lot of them weren't working, but they were lateraling to D-hop. It looked like he was going to throw a pass downfield. You know, it's just crazy stuff. But it's like these teams will be motivated like that. They're going to be trying everything they can do to get that extra round draft pick. We're going to see plays we haven't seen ever in the NFL. It would be awesome. (laughs) The players wouldn't really care. I mean, it'd be more for the – organization the players play hard last game of the season because they want those incentives but i feel like yeah they would probably still play hard regardless well do we want to vote on it i think we do all right johnny start us off with a base score (laughs) (laughs) i will give it an eight i think it's a good idea jj we have a 10 and an eight what do you got you put me in a nice position. I can give it a six, and we can still average eight and send it off. So I'm going to give it a six, and it's going to make it, and it gets to go to Roger Goodell. Great, <laughs> great 20-second idea, Johnny. <laughs> All righty, Roger Goodell. Adam Silver already stole one of our ideas. Now it is your turn to steal this rule change. All righty, we're going to take one last brief break. When we come back, we'll dig into our email bag and give out our bold predictions. Stay tuned. Parker, where did you get all this electronic equipment for making our podcast? I got it all at Radio Shack. Radio Shack, America's technology store. Alrighty. Digging my hand in the email bag here, and we have an email from Nancy Lee from Texas. She writes, Bucky's is a Texas tradition, and I can't believe that you would bash the beaver like that. You are lucky that we have shared our beaver nuggets across state lines with you. The clean bathrooms and aisles of fresh-made fudge and roasted nuts cannot be found anywhere else. You should focus more on sports ball and leave the beaver alone. From... Nancy Lee. Mm. Nancy Lee, that's a good Southern Texas name, I think. I will say that we only read the scripts that we're paid to read, and that's what Bucky pays us to to read, so that's what we read. Now, just based in large part on your interaction, I went to Bucky's for the first time this last week, went with my wife. I absolutely love the place. I mean, I thought it was (laughs) awesome. I mean, I almost bought about three or four different articles of clothing. <laughs> I mean, there was fudge. There were nuts. There were – it was awesome. I mean, I, okay, this is coming from a guy who likes McDonald's. I like Walmart. I used to like Kmart. I used to enjoy the blue light specials. I mean, maybe I've got a little white trash in me. I don't care. I like Bucky's. <laughs> I think there should be more Bucky's. I loved it. <laughs> I feel like our TikTok <laughs> listeners would agree with that. <laughs> the first time I walked into a Bucky's, it was lunchtime. <laughs> I walked in, swarms of people, 
And since it was lunchtime, they were cooking up meat. And as soon as I walked through the front doors, they said, fresh meat. And I was like, oh, good Lord, me? (laughs) 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 Bucky's is all right. All righty. Our next email is from not Jake Nichols from not Freeland Harris Consulting Engineers. He writes, <laughs> committee, I like to think of myself as a very agreeable, agreeable passive listener. But when I heard the cowhide atrocity in a recent episode, I could no longer stand by and let evil run amok in this podcast world. It was asserted that traditional bovine leather is utilized to make footballs. <laughs> this is grossly incorrect. Everyone has heard the common phrase throwing the pigskin around in reference to a casual game of football. I do not know how so-called sports experts could be so naive as to presume footballs are made of anything but pig leather. You are a disgrace to your profession and slandering the name of podcast hosts everywhere. I demand you to retire after issuing a formal apology in your last episode. As was once famously said, the only necessary, the only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. I have done something today. I've done something today so that evil may not triumph. <laughs> Best, not Jake Nichols. Now, in fairness, I appreciate the email. And it's nice that people are writing us emails. But really, I mean, have you ever even held a football before? They are all made out of leather from cows. I mean, this is ridiculous. I mean, Pig bladders is where that term pigskin came from. And and I played football for a number of years now, but I've never played football with an actual pig bladder. I mean, come on. Wilson makes 25000 a year leather footballs for the NFL to use in games. Anyone who's ever held an NFL football knows it's leather. But thanks for the email anyhow. Well, not Jake has taken a really, really tough stance and and really, really takes this seriously. I think Johnny is correct, of course. They are indeed made out of cow leather. I, After seeing this email, I did a little research myself, and I was thrilled to learn that it takes that, – that 20 footballs can be made from one cowhide, which is what I guessed in the game the other day. So <laughs> – I'm feeling pretty as good about As a Seventh-day Adventist, I will not refer to footballs as pigskin. That is sacrilege. <laughs> and for our Jewish and yeah, yes, Muslim friends too, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Probably a few more of the Jews. In Already, there that's enough of emails. <laughs> we didn't get any sports-related ones besides the, I guess the pigskin one is considered a sports-related one, but... Let's dig into some bold predictions here. We have just a few more episodes to finish off season two of the competition committee. So we're going to do a sprint to the finish. And we have concluded our bold predictions from the end of the year. So from this episode till February 15th, the week after the Super Bowl, we will count up all of our bold prediction winners from today till February 15th and see who is the winner. And this will be kind of round two of bold predictions. So to kick off this little sprint to the finish, JJ, why don't you tell us your first bold prediction? 
Well, I hate to admit that I had a big, I was a big part of the decision to start over again. And that was because I was so far behind. There was no way I could catch up. So as we finished last year, I was three. Parker was seven, I think. And the third chair made it to five. So I was pretty far behind. But now we're all zero, zero, zero. So here I go. Here's what I'm going to predict. The Dolphins are indeed not that good, but they're usually pretty good in the first half. So my bold prediction is the Dolphins will be leading their playoff game on the Peacock at halftime, but will lose the game to the Chiefs. So my bold prediction is they'll be leading at halftime and lose the game. Okay. Johnny, what it, what's your bold prediction? Well, fellas, I'm not giving up on my team. I've been cheering for the Eagles now for 43 years, but sometimes you got to call a dog a dog, <laughs> and that dog don't hunt. Mm. <laughs> we have lost five out of six. We're going to lose big to Tampa Bay. I hate to say it. Personally, I'm predicting a 10-point loss officially so I don't accidentally screw my other colleagues on the third chair. I'm going to go with seven points. Tampa Bay is going to win by seven. Wow. I'll still cheer for the Eagles, and I'll cry, but they're going to lose this one. Okay. I'm going to do a little two, two-teamer two parlay here for my bull predictions. The Texans are playing against the Browns, and the current NFL darling this year is the Houston Texans and C.J. Stroud. They've been playing out of their minds. It's been a great story. They've made it to the playoffs with a rookie quarterback, rookie head coach, but I think they're running into one of the best defenses this year. And I think the lights are going to be a little bit too bright for them. And I think they're just going to shut it down. So I'm not going to pick the Browns to win. I'm going to go under. I'm going to go under 44 for the game. I do not think the Texans will score very many points. So Texans and Browns under 44. In my other leg of this parlay, the Chiefs, for some reason, people still think the Chiefs are the regular Chiefs. They are not. The Dolphins are at an all-time low. This is a buy-low spot on the Dolphins, and this is a sell-high spot on the Chiefs. This is a down year for the Chiefs. The Dolphins are currently sputtering into the playoffs, people not paying them much attention. This is where they shock the world. This is where the Chiefs fall flat. This is a game where the Dolphins will retire Travis Kelsey. The Dolphins will defeat the Chiefs on the money line. So I'm going Texans and Browns under and Dolphins money line. That's roughly plus 400 parlay. That is my bull prediction. One other thing I was going to mention for you guys as well as our listeners, you got me thinking about this, Parker, when you were talking about the Dolphins. Have you guys been watching Hard Knocks, the season with the Dolphins this, this season? Not yet. but It's remarkably entertaining. It is really good. And I think if you watch it, you'll get a new respect for the Dolphins. I also really like their coach, even though he reminds me of one of my high school teachers, Tom Osborne. You know, (laughs) (laughs) the guy is just almost bizarre, but very likable. And it's interesting. So uh, that's all I'll say. A little plug here for the show if you get a chance check it out i think you'll enjoy it maybe that's the way i can watch some football after football's over that is going to wrap up this week's show 
Be a part of the competition committee by sending us your ideas for making sports more fun for the fans, or simply by pointing out a problem that needs to be fixed. Use the links in the show notes to reach us. We need your help to make the competition committee a community. Please text a few of your friends a recommendation and link to our show. It is this easy. Click the three dots in the upper right corner of your phone, select share, messages, type the name of three friends, and ask them to check out the show. That's all it takes. Thanks for joining us this week, and look for our new episodes every Thursday. I don't know his name, but his face sure rings a bell.